This week on the show, we're honored to have former in-house audio director and composer for Kojima Productions, Ludwig Forsell. Hello. Hey, thank you for joining us, by the way. No problem. Thanks um, for abiding by my weird schedule this week. <laughs> Sorry for switching it around. Not a problem. Wouldn't be the first time, man. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, buddy. What you, what you drinking? <laughs> Just a morning iced coffee. Nothing special. <laughs> yeah, we're on the complete opposite it's, it's, side. It's, of <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little later here, so I'm, uh, I'm drinking a something a, a teeny bit different. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm Fingers. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. <laughs> Wish I could join you guys, but you know, I, it, it's uh, US East um, time zone is probably the worst one when it comes to like setting things up with Japan. It's just like, what is it? 12 plus hours, 14 hours? I, don't know. I think it's 13, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we make it work, though. Yeah, I've done a few recordings in, in New York and while, like, working with people back in Japan, and it was just the worst. You never get to sleep, because <laughs> once, once you try to go to sleep, their day starts. Okay, man, we, Is that uh... a pretty regular thing, just having to go back and forth like that? Well, it has been for, for at least the last... Um, for, for Death Stranding, I mean, um, for the last big project, like working a lot in LA and a um, few times out in London and all over the place doing um, VO recordings and whatnot. But um, yeah, uh, hopefully not as much of that going forward, at least in terms of having to be in touch with Japan while you're also over there, you know, it's, it, it can be a bit much. Yeah, especially when it's like demanding you to to be creative too, and you're just like, ah, I was just about to go to bed, but okay, guess I can crank something out real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I, I, I've I've not had to actually write music during my business trips, so that's a relief. Um, so how do you guys usually do this? <laughs> Generally, we do like um like a current events sort of, and. Uh, you know, this current event is actually E3. Right. Um, on top of that, you know, I, I did notice you guys were talking about that little game called Death Stranding. I heard that they kind of had a trailer for a director's cut. I don't know if anybody heard about that or <laughs> talked about that. What? What about, what, what's your take? My take? Um, I, I think I've heard about it. Yeah. That's my take. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's um. Well, I mean, if you just want to jump right into it, obviously I wrote the music for that. Um, that was my first question. <laughs> yeah. Um, quite a while ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can't really go into the details of what is included in the director's cut. Um, I specifically asked when the trailer com- came out because I didn't know when it was going to com- come out. So it was surprised me too. Um, I asked around to say, see if I had... Um, some leeway to kind of say I did this or that for for the director's cut. Um, But at this point, they don't really want to share much information until they're ready to share everything, I guess. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
at least I can say I did write the music for that. And that was like, um, I guess like October last year or something. So it's way back. Um, I think we were actually planning, we at the time were actually planning to release the trailer a bit earlier, but um, I think some stuff is honestly still like being figured out in terms of how it's going to be marketed. So um, in the end, I guess E3 was the correct timing for it. So yeah, feels good to finally have it out. I mean, having done it so so in, in, in the past, like more than six months ago. Yeah, it was cool that, you know, figure with like, you know, with Jeff and stuff, having it at Summer Game Fest, it was like this nice little bonus thing where it was like, all right, cool, here we go. Well, I mean, that's the thing too for me because it's um, Summer Game Fest, I guess that started at like 4 a.m. So I had no idea. I woke up and, and saw the news. <laughs> oh, basically. man. Oh, no. That's, <laughs> that's That's been most of E3. Going back to that whole time zone bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's been most of E3 for me. Um, well, most years, honestly, except the few times I get to actually go over there and hang out. At least you can just like wake up and just scroll through and be like, oh, okay, that's that's what came out. Everybody, like every news site has everything covered for you. Yeah, so like, yeah, right, yeah, cool. yeah. I don't, I don't waste my time sitting through a, like yeah. a, an hour um, <coughs> Capcom. Um, <laughs> like presentation with no news in it yeah speaking of capcom that was a dud this year <laughs> oh oh thank god okay oh man i was that was the elephant in the room for me right now because i was like i don't want to be negative about e3 with the professional here but at the same time i'm mentioning death stranding first because i can't think about anything from e3 other than that yeah. uh so yeah you're right about the capcom uh, what you guys don't like esports? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that's still it's it's hearsay for me because I obviously didn't watch it. I just yeah. see people memeing about it. You know, that's how we get our news now. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like how people watch like the Super Bowl for commercials these days. People people watch E three for the memes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty apt. I'm honestly surprised that E three is back at all after all of the trouble they had sort of getting off the ground again especially last year just it's it's just i don't know it's something surreal about it and now it seems like the companies are sort of you know dipping their toe into the water a bit to see if it's worth investing the time and energy again <laughs> like that's what i got out of capcoms yeah obviously i have no idea what it costs to do a presentation like that but like why do it if you don't really have much to say yeah Especially if it's just going to be online, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can do it on your own schedule. Yeah. A lot of companies bowed out, too. They were just like, no, nah, we're good. Uh, we'll just we'll just skip it this year. Everybody's like, oh. Well, obviously, Sony and, or, or PlayStation's been kind of almost against E3 as a whole idea for, for the last few years. I think 2018 was the last time they were around. Yeah, so. that, that was the year that I went. That was... Yeah, there's there's parts of it that were great, but there was parts of it where it was just like, what what are you doing? Why is why is there just this performance happening right now? Show us the games. I mean, you got to admit they really put a lot into the spectacle of it. Yeah, that was the thing. It was just too much spectacle. Like I don't. Yeah, well, um, the the PlayStation, I don't know what you'd call it. It was like an interactive arena experience kind of thing that they had going in 2018 was. Pretty cool, I guess. I walked around, like, had a few beers with, like, other devs and talked about the games. But it was basically, like, four different 
venues or open areas where they set up like the city from Spider-Man, like New York City backdrops and yeah, um, like a Japanese garden for Ghost of Tsushima and um, like a big dome where they showed all the trailers and um, like Sam from Death Stranding standing all by himself in the corner. Yeah, um, they had that statue there. <laughs> yeah, I got, a pi- I got a picture with that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but I mean like they i feel like they they that was their last hurrah of like we're yeah. gonna put everything into it and see how much we get back from it and um i don't know um it seems like they didn't think it was worth it in the end going forward we'll see i i definitely enjoy that spectacle but i financially is it viable i'm not quite yeah. sure yeah if you get the same roi with a with you know a 20 minute youtube stream why why bother <laughs> yeah no, that that seems to be the general consensus of like what PlayStation is doing at the very least. Honestly, I mean, like I'm surprised Nintendo is still doing it too. Oh, that is tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, they got the direct going. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm kind of wondering if part of Jeff's business model, Jeff Keeley, of course. Yeah. Um, if part of his business model is you know being the facilitator of these announcements providing the spectacle like subsidizing the spectacle if you will um because between the game awards which these days i call the keelys uh and the summer game fest (laughs) it seems like he has the the monopoly on like you guys said that that sort of like uh, that spectacle that that event that moment i guess i don't know yeah he's kind of like the ryan seacrest of video games he's just kind of like representing everything (laughs) he's doing a pretty good job at it (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It, it feels good to like have a face for 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 everything coming together. Um, I don't know if it's super necessary or not, but like he like he's a great guy, and and um, I enjoy the stuff he makes. So like, yeah. why not? Um, I don't. I definitely don't think we're gonna need like the huge venue, um, you know, LA, LA Convention Center type of E three thing going like in the future because it, it it just has been getting worse and worse the last I couple mean, of years especially after the past year i mean we're we're sort of reapproaching normalcy in a lot of ways but right uh the entire paradigm has changed for how pretty much all business is conducted now i mean have you like i guess i wanted to ask you one of the things i wanted to ask you was how much of of what's changed over the past year are you starting to see reverse now um because I'm, I'm sure what? your work your your you know your workflow yeah. has had to adjust to everything so do right. you see this being like a permanent thing or are you sort of drifting back towards the old ways of doing business i guess would be a way to put it well it's it's kind of weird for me because the last year has been a huge change in how i do things in the ver- for, for many different reasons not just because of covid um <laughs> You know, like moving on to to going freelance and working on your own means that you change a lot about the way you work because I'm obviously not going through a company anymore and um, that changes the whole approach. Um, so honestly, the only thing that I can really point to is, is how um, hard it was to get things recorded at the beginning of COVID and how easy it's kind of become right now um it's it's even like you get cases where um like right now for example we have a state of emergency issued in tokyo 
um, which it really doesn't mean a lot. And it's it's kind of calmed down now. So it's it's nothing to really worry about that much. Um, but basically, it means that a lot of players have their concerts um, canceled. So you have more players available. So it's actually easier to get things recorded with <laughs> players right now. Um, as for in general, the the big like moving towards towards normalcy, I'd say um, we're still not quite there here in Japan. Um, the vaccines have started rolling out quicker, but um, it's it's still they're not really talking about um, get, getting them to to people under like sixty five. You know, so um, we'll see what happens later towards the end of the year. But right now, it's kind of we're still in that um, limbo status quo kind of situation we've been in for the last year or so Does that kind of like just restrict you to with like them like giving you less visual assets or other things to kind of work off of too is that have you kind of seen the reflection on the other end of it not really um i mean it it, it definitely means that if you're working with people abroad you're not able to go and be in the same room and stuff like that yeah but in terms of my work for the last few months at the very least i've been working on a japanese project so it's it's been pretty much business as usual mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to that outside of obviously like everybody getting tested before for going and doing like a big hall recording and and um and restrictions to like not eating in the studio and stuff like that gotcha you had mentioned a a, a japanese project or a project in japan and i mm -hmm. couldn't help but notice that you were working on bell um, which yep. has the same director yep. as Summer Wars. I'm like a huge fan of Summer Wars. It's like one of my favorite films. So I'm very excited about this collaboration. Yeah, you know, like um, Summer Wars is actually my favorite um, Mamoru Hosoda movie as well. Um, yes. I love all his <laughs> films, but that that one just really, um, I don't know, it, I, I connect to it in a way. Um, I just love that whole, like the feeling of it more so than like the intricate parts of the stories. I just love that um, sense of family and, and um, like the landscape and, and everything that like just the visual like feeling and, and, and warmth to the film. But yeah, that's, that's basically what I've been working on mostly um, over the last few months. And, and we're kind of wrapping up production right now. Um, it's supposed to come out here in Japan on the 16th, I think, of July. So um, getting close to the end on that one. Yeah, I'm hoping they make that accessible here uh, sooner rather than later. So I really do want to see that too. <laughs> oh, they're definitely going to. Um, I'm, I'm not sure when the Japanese version is going to come out. Um, I know there's an English version planned as well. I definitely, as when it comes to all... Um, anime and, and everything basically is is like I don't prefer dubs at all but like there's going to be an English version too I'm probably going to be in charge of like translating a lot of lyrics and stuff for that so I'm going to be part of that too but um can't say for sure when that's coming out nor can I say when the Japanese original is going to be out in the states or elsewhere but it's going to be out. It's it's they're really pushing hard for for like the amount of theaters that are going to pick it up. So, um, yeah, uh, it'll be out <laughs> soon. <laughs> and the thought of going to a theater again is kind of wild right now. It's just it seems like a foreign concept at the moment entirely. Just 
yeah no yeah I, I haven't been to to a theater in the last not not since 2019 no yep same that i did want to ask uh sort of as a follow-up i mean doing games and films is there like a different approach that you take between one medium versus another and i guess does that differ then as you make music for a game or a movie as opposed to making music for yourself yeah no there's there's a lot of similarities but there are way more um differences especially when you're working on like an anime movie like bell right now is is the major thing for that one that was new to me and 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 was um a first time that i've never done before was working off of the storyboard only basically Mm -hmm. when i was writing like the majority of the music I, i did for it um so no actual like visuals except for for like a simple storyboard um whilst for games the the big difference i'd say in general um compared to to other visual media would be that um at least working in bigger games is is you have like four years meaning that you get a lot of time to try things out before you get super stressed towards the end um (laughs) but it's yeah it's in general there's there's more time to try things out um whereas in in movies and and other projects like that um it's it, it you can you kind of have to start running at the very beginning of the project a lot of times yeah that does seem like a a completely different process just like having to follow those storyboards and kind of imagine the movement you know and how long that's going to take and yeah you know, just like building your you know your crescendos and just like having the having the big impacts like land right there and you're like oh, i guess it'll happen here <laughs> Yeah, no, that that was super weird. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's something that that I'd rather not do. <laughs> yeah, if I if I can avoid it, but um, definitely learned a lot from it. Talk about um, working within limitations, jeez. Yeah, well, you know, like obviously there are other like technical technical aspects of working on games where like you also have to think about the interactivity of it and how you're yeah. actually um, building the music to work for several different situations mm-hmm. so um there there's there's um definitely technical differences other than like just like how the projects are laid out yeah you're working more like within the sound engine like with with video games where it's kind of right. like it's got to be adaptive and that's one thing I, I noticed a lot in, in Death Stranding. It was just like, God, I, I could turn the camera and like a filter would be applied. Like if, if the camera went behind one of the force fields near like <laughs> near one of like the outposts or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was just such a cool, like immersive thing. And just the, the BTs and... did an amazing job with you know the sound design it was crazy playing it with headphones oh yeah yeah um definitely recommend playing it on headphones or or good speakers because we kind of mix the game um towards a better setup than maybe most people have at (laughs) home and we didn't really have the leeway to um add the um extra listening modes that a lot of games have these days Mm -hmm. which is kind of a regret on my end um because there there are ways to kind of add an extra compressor 
in in um the audio engine and stuff to just make sure that it's like less dynamic um, yeah so like really playing it on on headphones or a good sound system without like outside sounds um messing with 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 your um input um is definitely something i'd recommend because i i think we made something really special with like the audio mix and everything that we ended up getting into the game so um yeah and i it feels like a lot of people have appreciated the audio of death stranding too so yeah. yeah definitely that was one of the things i admired about it the most it was just uh, yeah just running from the bts like that first time i had headphones on, i was just like oh this is terrifying <laughs> <laughs> yeah with the whole idea of it being sort of adaptive or dynamic though i was curious um like how how uh involved in the technical aspect of integrating that music into the game are you is it is it just like let me put it like this do you uh compose the music and then hand that off to somebody who then works it in or is that more of like you are involved in every step of that process making sure it's integrated the right way so that sound uh is coming through correctly when you're at those angles i mean just kind of Mm -hmm. what what sort of um yeah i guess that's the question (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, no no kind of lost the thread there no, I know exactly what you're getting at. Uh, um, so for Death Stranding, I um, obviously had to do a lot of different things. Um, so um, fortunately slash unfortunately, I didn't have the time to do the actual implementation of the audio assets into Wise, which is our um, audio engine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was working closely with um, the Sony or PlayStation music team that would um I'd send the assets off to them they'd mix it and we'd go th- through mixing it together and then they'd um I'd be working with um music editors who'd um edit up the music and implement that um in the way that I specified in terms of um what should happen at what st- what times in the game and or with what input from game AI or other game parameters parameters so um i i was fortunate to have really talented people help me out with that process and and honestly i wouldn't have been able to do all the technical tweaks and and um you know like making sure that we're not going over the cpu usage and and ram usage and all that um all those like smart tweaks they did to to make it all fit within the boundaries that were given to us um so they made it all happen and um they're a super talented team so um yeah i got to focus on other things and have them do a better job at it than i would have been able to do that's good that you at least had like the oversight though and were able to like work alongside them though so you could just you know he could kind of direct how you wanted it used to for sure for sure um there are definitely times where i know other composers have worked on a game and they just send the assets off and then they find out how they're being used sometime down the line, maybe even after the game comes out, you know? So yeah. um, that's definitely um, one of the better parts of, of having been the in-house guy and also audio director. So I, I basically had the power to say yay or nay to suggestions and, and also be in a position where you're working with these awesome people who'd come up with all these great ideas. So like I'd be able to 
improve upon the simple ideas of just one guy who wants to make it sound cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely sounds like um, a prime example of, of, of technical and artistic collaboration. So no, that's, that's very cool to, to learn about. On the topic of sound design, kind of a non sequitur, uh, but one of my favorite sort of backstories of a production of a song, um, it actually comes in with Silent Hill. Mm. Um, Akira Yamaoka, he did this thing with the final boss theme where um, he uses a dental drill, like the sound of a dental drill when it's in your mouth. Right. He uses that as sort of the motif for the boss theme. Um, the reason I'm saying this story is because one of the things that we like collectively um, about your, your music, particularly in MGS5, um, oh, I'm sorry, we, here we call it MGS Cinco. MGS Cinco um, <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> There's been words it, every MGSB. <laughs> we call it MGS Cinco here. No. Um, yeah. Is that you... It's almost like you use the game's sounds as motifs. Um, I'm trying to think of an example off my head. If one of you guys could help me here. An example would be great. I almost don't remember <laughs> music for that game, though. No. I'm just kidding, but still, like... The, the Sahelanthropus sound. There was this one... Like I don't know if you yep. I don't know how you did this sound, but it's it, it's used in a couple of tracks. It's used in a uh, House Child Unchained and uh, Sahelanthropus Dominion, but it's like that. It's like percussive, but it's a synth, and it sounds really primal. It's just like pop pop like yep. it's just this. Yep. Yeah, like what the um, fuck is well, that, and how did that come about? <laughs> like, like I love it. It's, you know, it's like one of it was. It was. It made the the fight with Sahelanthropus terrifying. Uh, when it was like in the game, I was like, "Holy shit, I'm running away from this thing first, and then I can reevaluate." But yeah, well, um, first <laughs> off, big disclaimer: I did not write the music for the for the Sahelanthropus. Oh, okay. Um, that was Justin Burnett. Um, but um working with him on those tracks, he had that sound in there at the very beginning. And um, I thought it was super cool. So I told him to feature it more and like make it bigger within the track. So it kind of becomes the theme for the Sahel Anthropos. Um, honestly, um, I'm not sure how he did it, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's um, a massive I was about to say, sound? is it massive or serum or something like that? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not serum. It's prior to serums, um, like before serum existed, I think. Gotcha. Um, See, now Daze and I have no idea what either of you are yeah, talking about. Producer talk. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just like another language. <laughs> but so here's, here's um, a sad, <laughs> sad realization with this as. I have no proof of this and and like it's 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 still a super cool sound. Um but one time I was at my old school listening to students um playing back their demos and like I'd go once every year and give some feedback to students. Mm. And one of the kids had that sound in in their track and it's I'm 90% sure they didn't rip it so uh, there's a big chance that it's from a, like a sound bank? sample pack slash like sound bank for <laughs> massive. So it it might be out there for for anybody to use if they can find oh, it. Man. But I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I remixed that uh, House Child Unchained song, and yeah, that, that was just <laughs> a fun part when that part hit to to play drums around and stuff. So yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I like the weird rhythmicality of it, and yeah, and it, 
it definitely fits the idea. Yeah, I did drumline, and that's what it it put me into like a like a snare rudiment type like pattern where it was just like you know this it was it was uh, definitely busy. Yeah, no, it, it fits the thing perfectly. <laughs> With using sounds, though, I remember you saying in an interview one time, um, God, I can't remember which one, um, that you went to was it Home Depot or Lowe's? It was a hardware store mm-hmm. to get to yeah. collect sound samples, right? Yes, that's yeah. sorry. That's that's a story that reminded me of um, Silent Hill with the the Dennis drill. Right. Well, I mean, for 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 Metal Gear, for Metal Gear, we did do like a Foley sampling session, and um, just just to like put that out there too. Um, obviously, Death Stranding is is where we really uh, spent a lot of time in in creating instruments for it. But like um, for Metal Gear. We did this um, sampling session, and um, there's um, for for Eli his his um, signature sound is sort of this like flute sound. Mm-hmm. Um, Hideo wanted something to represent like the the um, the shell that he has like on his hip, I think. Yeah. Um, and we made this flute sound that's literally the the leg of one of my synth stands that we. <laughs> like blew into and and created a flute out of, um, awesome. so it's definitely something that I've always enjoyed in in creating music from, um, you know, less less uh, musical, less instrumental types of of thingies. Um, but yeah, we went to <laughs> we went to Home Depot for for um, for for Death Stranding for for our sampling session. Me and Joel, who um, helped me with the musical sound design and a few tracks on the game, um, and the PlayStation Music team um, right next to the PlayStation offices in San Mateo, and uh, spent a night banging on stuff at Home (laughs) Depot and finding interesting sounding things that we then brought to the studio and spent two or three days, um, like, banging on destroying and um, sampling <laughs> in different weird ways um just trying to get you know like um interesting timbres and 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 um, we also had a piano that we uh made a prepared piano it's what they call it um basically we we added nuts and bolts in between the strings and um, oh wow did oh all that's the- crazy all kinds of weird shit to the piano to um, kind of create its own unique piano sound um, and sampled all of that. And um, yeah, then um, the music team guys were working on um, those samples for a while and like doing weird distortion and stuff to them before implementing them all into contact libraries that I then used for the music. One piano died for the making of this game. (laughs) <laughs> it's still alive it's still in the playstation offices actually it's just um, got character that's a piece of history right there yeah that's <laughs> i think it's got a sign on it like the ds piano or something like that and it's in like the hallway at playstation offices uh in san mateo i at least i hope it's still there they might have thrown it out uh, no breaks my heart Every time I listen to that soundtrack now, I'm just going to think about that piano and what it what it went through and a little tears going to come down my eye. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it, it's it's um, it's not super uncommon thing to do, like a prepared piano. It's definitely happened before, um, but um, it, it makes it so much more worth like the the end product, you know, like making the music when you're like when you've actually made the instruments yourself, kind mm -hmm. of. Um, it's it's way more intimate and, and even stuff that you maybe not wouldn't think sound too great at the beginning you force yourself to use them and you find ways to use them and and that ends up being like a great part of the creative process that usually or at least hopefully should yield something interesting did you sacrifice or fuck anything up for like <laughs> pt um <laughs> let's see um no i think i think i worked within the computer mostly for that one um just just trying to um resamples samples and 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 mash them up and do weird stuff for that just within the computer i did not have a lot of time on that project um it was brought on very late in the process and um basically i think i had two weeks or so to like just write the music for for, for the parts that i wrote the music for there there's a few few parts in there that i think people might think that i did that i actually didn't but um yeah um it, it was a short process and Man, yeah two we, weeks that's crazy two weeks yeah <laughs> jeez it's fun though at the same time though yeah i'd imagine with as much as you do there's a lot of music that gets sort of left on the cutting room floor right yeah, well, as I was saying, with 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 um like bigger or longer game projects, there's a lot of time to like just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. So, um, at, at the very beginning of the project, you definitely make a lot of sketches and 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 try stuff out that you think sound great, but they don't actually fit the actual game. So there's a bunch of that left off of um basically well, any project that I've worked on, but yeah. especially from Death Stranding, because um, the first year or so, we were still kind of just figuring out the whole studio thing and building the company um, and like building connections with people that we we're going to work with throughout the process. So I had a lot of time where I was just trying out different sounds and, and like you'd create a patch on your synth and you'd write a theme on, with that patch just to try it out and you throw that to the side and then maybe use it for so, something totally different. So yeah, that happens a lot. Use that as a launch point. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of stuff that I hope that I get to use at some point, you know? Yeah. That's how we get like the lost tapes and stuff like that too. Like eventually, or it's just like, it comes out like as its own separate thing, like with MGSV, we got that. Cinco. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a few things that, on that one that, aren't in the game i guess and and also some things that were like cut out from pt so um but mostly it was supposed to be like the release that um uh, is for for the tapes that you'd find in the game that didn't really make it onto the official soundtrack that we made just to like do world building yeah for that like the 80s type of stuff well dude i'll tell you i love death metal gear that's just the fucking best <laughs> <laughs> went hard on that one yeah it's it's i don't know like i i still <laughs> i choose my i choose the situations where i show people that one 
<laughs> it's not something you can just show to anyone and be like, I'm a musician, hire me. <laughs> show it might get easily misinterpreted. Is that something like your some of your roots? Kind of like did you start like with with music like that, like when you were younger? Or? Actually, yes, that's exactly what I used to do. I I started out um, doing a band with my friends when we were like in 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 um, elementary, um, and we'd play like start out with I think it was um, Offspring music and oh, then yeah. into like nice. Black Sabbath and and and. Yeah, we Damn. were like metalheads for a while. Speaking my language, man. <laughs> yeah, no, we we definitely weren't the popular kids at all. We we're just listening to seventies metal. <laughs> well, screw the popular kids; they're no fun. Growing our hair out. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's I. I really have a problem with musicians who who think they're cool because because <laughs> we were always laughed at, basically. So. <laughs> I guess I'm just envious, but you know, like you see people who walk around with with like their guitars, and 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 obviously, they they just do it to look cool, you know? Yeah. And and it kind of pisses me off. So what I'm getting <laughs> is not a Bono fan. Not a Bono fan. Um, I guess yeah. Um, <laughs> stop clapping and killing those children in Africa, you know? Oh my god. But, uh, <laughs> Stop fucking clapping. No, I remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah, good good that one actually went through. Somebody got that one. Um, <laughs> uh let's see. So yeah, I mean, since we're talking about like, you know, your influences or or, or what you did back in the day, um, is there anything that you listened to back then and are you list what are you listening to right now? Usually we ask people what they're playing right now, but we're gonna switch it yeah. up a bit here. That's the thing with me. I've 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 never been really good at finding new music. So, um, like when I was in high school, I had a bunch of friends around me who'd always introduced me to new stuff, and that's still like in my like um, I guess I don't have an iPod anymore, but like I go to that when I start playing whatever on on spotify these days um but honestly i should be listening to more music than i am i i really don't listen to a lot of music it's usually like podcasts and stuff when i'm out um and then i'll be like for better or worse like analyzing everything that i hear in in tv shows or movies and and listen to a lot of soundtracks but really bad at like finding new good music so whenever like somebody on on a friend on facebook or something posts a music video somebody supposedly famous and um popular nowadays i'm always happy to find something new man we're gonna have to make you a mixtape <laughs> i'd be happy to like yeah you know like i just found out about this band called ice choir like last year and like huge fan now but they've been around for a while but I had no idea you know yeah you gotta love discovering new stuff you're just like oh shit where has this been my whole life okay yeah, and and I I definitely I I mean I tend to listen to more, you know, like um synthy stuff and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um but I I enjoy all genres, you know. It's there's good in everything. It's a good way to look at it. I'm I'm also like you where I'm very I don't god, I feel like stubborn is a bad word, but I'm I'm kind of stubborn with my music where it's hard for me to find new stuff. I'll find like 
you know, popular tracks like a year before or year a year after they got popular. Mm-hmm. But I think the different the difference here is like I'm afraid I'm afraid of of listening to new music sent from friends. So maybe I need to change that habit a bit. The one thing that I did find was was really helpful for me was having friends who are actually super active on Spotify that you're connected with on 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 Facebook or whatever because if you have the same taste they'll just like keep making playlists so yeah. you can just use their playlist <laughs> to find playlist. new stuff yeah 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 that was one point too you said like you're kind of like also when you're listening to music it's just like you you have that analytical side or right? it's like you're like trying to sit there and like like oh okay that's yeah that's what they're doing there oh, okay i can hear it now like when you've got that music production brain going on yeah it's it's hard to turn off yeah it that's that's probably makes, why makes it hard to enjoy stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think it makes it hard to enjoy stuff, but it it it's um I, I guess it can get fatiguing, especially like with the people around you. If you start like reasoning as to why a certain track is inferior to another one, yeah. while people are just trying to listen to music, like, I, shut I up, man! Is, We're trying to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, but the, the the low end mix just isn't hitting for me. I mean, it's just right, it's, right. it's kind of muddy. And you're I, like I that meme of that guy like whispering in the girl's ear, and she just looks miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> too much 5K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's probably why. Like, I end up like when we have friends over for like house parties, we just end up playing like 90s boy bands music. You know. There you go. Can't go wrong with NSYNC. It's 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 just, it's just great fun. Wrong. It's like it's what we grew grew up on. And yeah, '90s music rules. There's no problem with that. Yeah. No. I mean, like it's it's kind of this like love hate relationship where I I had to hate all the Backstreet Boys and all that popular stuff, mainstream stuff, <laughs> back in the '90s when I was a kid because we were the metalheads who yeah. were obviously not mainstream. So, <laughs> but now you kind of miss it, right? <laughs> I, Exactly. That's, 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 that's you can always turn around and just like enjoy the past for what it was, you know? I say as I take a swig of Pepsi Blue. (laughs) That reminds me, can I go get another coffee real quick? Yeah, Yeah, sure. I'll be back in a minute. And then I can open my drink and not affect the recording. Yeah. Oh, it was quiet anyway. Never mind. A few house playlists I could throw on the chat. Yeah, I'm starting to think like, what should I put in a mixtape? <laughs> <laughs> Mine were, well, I'm glad you said he liked '90s music because all my shit would be like house music from the '90s. See, and like, I listened to Chicago like Chicago and France. Oh, nice! You should send me some of that. Yeah, I'd be down. See, I listened to like Psytrance and stuff like that, but like. Somehow I only just recently discovered Infected Mushroom, and I don't know how I missed them for this. I know. Oh, my God. Uh, dude. Yeah. I know. What is wrong with you? Wow. I know. Oh, my God. I, found I them know. A, I found them through a Step Mania machine. Can you believe that? Yeah, I do believe. <laughs> <laughs> when y'all were talking about the producer mind, I, would, I wanted to jump in with like, oh, well, I have the rhythm gamer mind where I break down <laughs> songs, too. It was straight yeah, it was up a like, I, up down left right up down up down up down left right. I kind of want I kind of want to save this, but a game got me into one of my favorite bands, and I didn't even know it. What? Uh, Descent Two. Uh, got me into uh, Typo Negative. Huh? Yeah, I would say uh, 
as far as my taste in music, like e- like just the entire conglomerate of EA Big was like <laughs> dictated by like music choice. Respect to DJ Atomica. DJ At- DJ Atomica fucking changed my life. Uh yeah, wasn't DJ Atomica in like multiple games? Like wasn't he like wasn't he part of the EA Big universe? Yeah, he was in SSX and he was in uh Burnout and I think there was something else. Yeah, burnout with with uh, yellow card. Way way. Man, I miss that. I still go yeah. back and play SSX three every once in a while just to calm down. My but ultimate dude, chill out game. The bass line and the menu music of SSX three though. Yeah. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. And you're like ready, and then like it goes away when you load the music or when you go into a loading screen, and like yeah, and it gets into like, more, that more ethereal sort of playlist as everything's sort of loading in. Yeah, and, and you're ready to fucking like kick your opponents off a cliff while you go down big mountain. Hell yes! Seriously, you load Hell that yes. game up, you go to the top of the mountain. Thirty minutes, you just chill the whole way down. It's just great relaxation. What game is that? Uh, SSX three. Ah. Good old Sorry. snowboarding. We were uh, good old snowboard. We were circle jerking about our own music influences, um, which right. were mostly video game music, believe it or not. So, I mean, it's it's strange now to think about it, but um, when I was younger, uh, I, I was telling her uh, a game got me into one of my favorite bands. There was a an old DOS first person shooter, like a space shooter, called Descent Two. And uh, they they had a soundtrack with a bunch of artists that contributed to it. And that got me into typo negative. And so, like, it's I guess it's more common now to sort of imagine that with as many licensed tracks are going into games now that, you know, games are getting people into different bands more than they used to. Like I like my parents still sort of subscribe to the idea that game music is just beeps and boops, you know, and I have to be like, you know, eh, not not really. Right. But <laughs> not really. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, no, um, I mean, like, that's definitely um, something I've been seeing a lot. So I agree. Um, you guys were mentioning SSX, but, like, um, how about that 1080 soundtrack, though? Oh, man. Oh. I had a friend who actually did a remix of that. I might actually put that in Nitroid's mixtape. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Noise. God. You know, the N64, and this is, I had had this conversation with the same friend. The N64 had a lot of really good drums and bass tracks. Does anybody, like, I feel like. Yeah, drum and bass was just, like, really popular in that, like, time period. My mind instantly goes to the GoldenEye soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, that that was also pretty influential. Uh, For sure. Well, we're kind of, we're kind of leaving you in the dust here. What sort of stuff did you. Play yeah, up. sorry, we're we're rambling about <laughs> ourselves. Our, our <laughs> listeners get enough of that. No, I'm I'm just I'm just sad I didn't play any of those games. I can't really relate super uh, a lot. Um, I um my parents wouldn't get me a game console for the longest time. So when I finally got like an old old ass Super Nintendo, I was like the happiest kid on earth for a while. Aww. Um but um, to this day, obviously, best video game soundtrack of all time, Donkey Kong Country 2. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. oh man, that like underwater music. 
Those textures. Mm. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, they really had the textures figured out for for just all that stuff back then. Yeah. And that's like they had a, you know, to rely a lot more on like melody, you know, and and like I think with a lot of your stuff, like, you know, of course there's melody with it. But like one thing that I think you like really excel at is just like creating a mood and a vibe, you know, like you just have like these big cues that are like just driven by percussion and you know where the drums are just taking the lead and stuff like like uh okb zero is like a good example yeah um this this is this is kind of a dangerous subject to get into because you can you can get a lot of gamers angry with you if you start talking about like what like modern day game music is and why it is the way it is and why it's not like it used to be um, it's kind of a dangerous subject. Um, I think um, there there was this discussion with um, Austin Wintry and um, Alex Mukala. Is that his last name? They did this um, podcast where they brought up. Um, I think it was cyberpunk as mm-hmm. as as like the example, and people were just talking about how cy- cyberpunk music is elevator music um, because it doesn't have <laughs> melodies and all, all that stuff. Um, oh, I disagree. It's, I mean, like, to each his own at, at the end of the day, but um, when you have a huge game, and this is pretty much the point that we're making, you're, you have a game that you're going to be playing that has a huge sprawling story, and it's, like, 50-plus hours. Um, you can't have the same melody, like, repeating over and over exactly. again. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and there are many ways you can, like, definitely hint at themes and motifs um, within the music. But um, I guess in the end, at the end of the day for me, I just enjoy um, doing music that's less focused on traditional means of harmony and melody. Um, or at least I've, I've worked on projects where it, the, the project itself didn't lend itself very, very well to that type of traditional approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to some extent also, I've, I feel like I've been s- sort of attacked for, for that approach by everybody who prefers, um, the more traditional approach. So, so I felt like I've had to defend myself a lot on the, on that point. I'm not one of those guys, so, <laughs> but you know, like, nah, those people don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, is that just a, a consequence of the scale of games now and how much bigger they've gotten? Um, not only, I mean, it's also like it, it, it talks to, it, it's, it pertains to um, the freedom that we have nowadays as composers in video games. We can do so much more than like work with five different instruments where you have to have like, well, you got to have the rhythm, you got to have the bass, you got to have the main melody and yeah. then you can have some harmony in between. Um, There's so many more approaches to um sonic um storytelling that we can do nowadays. So um I think a lot of people just have the freedom to try out new things and that's great. It doesn't always work. Um, I guess there are some games where where they probably should have had a more traditional score. Um, I'm not going to mention any specific ones, but um, it's it's just like you you give more freedom to people, and and um, what's bad about that? I don't know. Like uh, yeah, and I guess even even looking back at something like you mentioned Donkey Kong Country too, and I remember reading articles hmm. about how David Wise basically had to 
essentially had to hack the hardware to get a lot of those sounds into the game in the first place. Yeah. Just to make them work. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's the thing about the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack is is I I have no idea how he made that <laughs> game console sound that way because it, it it sounds like like years and years ahead of its time. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah. That was one thing with MGSV soundtrack. It was it was very like informative for the player. You know, like it, it was not just not just good music for me, but it was like it, it set the tone and let you know like, hey, you know, you just got spotted a little bit and like there's a there's that little bit of tension rising all of a sudden. And so, you know, for me for me I I really enjoy the approach, especially in like an open world, you know, where you're just kinda you'll be running for a while and then you get that music cue and it's like, Okay, here we go. You know, that yeah. For me that that, that helped out a lot just playing through it it's it's always hard to make that um both musically interesting and also very informative um to the player but um and 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 i mean it's sort of a mood over melody philosophy right right but you know you also as the composer you always want to make something that you're proud of that's not just like oh you press a button and it it just happens to be pad that makes the mood correct um so I think there's a lot more that goes into it that people don't realize in, in creating, you know, like a soundscape that's actually interesting and not just reusing a sample that just happens to fit. Yeah. And that's one thing like with Metal Gear, it seems that it seems almost like there's like three or four tracks playing at the same time that like are like different instances of the same thing. Like, you know, like you have like your high alert version and then like, you know, as yeah. things kind of calm down, it's like, it's almost as if like a, a fader is just being turned down and like the, the, the caution mix is kind of being brought up and then it can just, it can switch on the fly, like very fluidly without it being like this jarring thing where it just starts the next track. Um, is that, that that's something that I'm guessing like you have to be thinking about while you're writing it. Absolutely. I mean, with Metal Gear 2, you know, it's it's got it's got um, a history of um, very obvious switches in enemy AI states. Yeah. Um, so I guess at the time we were trying to do something different, but also um, making sure, especially since we didn't have the visual cues that they had in the previous games, you know, you go from alert, evasion caution back to sneaking or whatever yeah um you know wanted to make sure that the player was informed that the actual state had switched that like the enemy ai would be different um while keeping it fluent um so yeah you definitely did a good job on it <laughs> i don't know it it, it 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 took it took some time figuring out for me because it was like my first big game like that um that wasn't just like a linear kind of thing. So um, it, it took a while to figure out, but um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Um, I haven't listened to the music in a while, but it's, it's, it was a fun experience. I mean, do you get a lot of uh, compliments for Bloodstained Anthem? I'm, I'm sure somebody tweets you about that at least once a day. Um, it happens. <laughs> it, oof, Bloodstained <laughs> Anthem. Yeah. Um, tell you a thing or two about the production of that one that that I, I don't think i've had a track where i had to rewrite it as many times as that one it was still the same track but like every time i threw it into the game it didn't really do the thing it was supposed to do so um remixing and rehashing it like 20 times to actually make it work the way it should but yeah 
that that um that was like the first big Metal Gear theme I did, I think. Iconic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it 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 made me it it at it at least let me um kind of support. We're gonna make you feel awkward. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to remember actually what 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 like the process of making um ground zeros was like obviously the first thing we would we did was like the 25th year anniversary trailer thing with the ba 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 thing yeah um and we were like it forever we were we couldn't decide or I, somebody like the audio director couldn't decide whether he wanted that to be the theme for the whole bit or if it should go into the main game of Metal Gear, um, Solid Five, and then I guess uh, Bloodstained Anthem happened, and I kind of made a different melodic theme for Ground Zeroes that kind of at least plays throughout the major um, first campaign mission with um, pause and all of that. But yeah, no, I, I, um, that was that was my first real gig at Kojima Productions doing the. First, the uh, twenty-fifth year, ba 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 thing, and then <laughs> Ground Zeroes. Yeah, that definitely sticks in your mind. Um, well, I mean, getting yeah. off of Metal Gear. Um, sorry, go ahead, Dace. I was gonna say, I'm just thinking about like what was going through your head, feeling not only that sort of being your first, like like you said, your first big job at Kojima Productions, but also sort of. Filling in big shoes, if you will, because this is this is such a long-standing series with such iconic themes. Yeah, yeah. I think um, in the end, I've been lucky that um, I've always had people around me who worked on the games prior to me. Like even when I was at, in school here in, in in Japan, when I went to college, one of my teachers was um, Nobuko Toda, who did a lot of the music for MGS4. Oh, nice. And um, when I first joined Konami, I was working closely with um, Kazuma Jinochi, who's, who also did a lot of the music for MGS4 and who was supposed to do the main, uh, who was supposed to be the lead composer for um, what became Revengeance, but obviously that switched companies. Um, and um, Akihiro Honda was kind of my mentor when I first joined the Kojima Productions team, and he'd been around since MGS2, I think. And yeah. um, now that I think about it, I was working with um, Norihiko Hibino on like this Gradius-inspired Otome game that I did when I was a student. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, wow. That's quite the mentorship. Basically everybody. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like for MGS5, we... Um, um, we knew we'd, we we wouldn't be working directly with Harry Gregson on it because of scheduling things. I don't remember. Don't take my word for that. But um, I got to like go meet with him and talk with him. And I was working with Justin Burnett, who's kind of a protege of Harry Gregson Williams on the whole project. And um, like we got Harry Gregson's uh, Harry Gregson Williams um, blessing on the whole project, and like he. He went through the music as we were mixing it, and and he was like, "Well, this is not me, but I think you guys really did something that's fitting for for the game itself." So um, that's awesome. 
it's it's been a very inclusive like collaborative relationship with all the other composers um throughout the series i think for most almost at least people that i've had the chance to meet i think is like everyone that i know of that have really been big parts of the um series that's very awesome that's cool to hear um and then we won't take up much more of your time but you know, since you did work at Kojima mm-hmm. Productions, I've always wanted to know what it was like to go through the liminal space when you walk in. Does it make <laughs> you feel clean? <laughs> you don't have to answer I, that honestly, question. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had a few times where we're like taking a photo in in that corridor and and like whatever quick photo shoots there. It's really hard to not look like like you're you're. Uh, um, that's not an appropriate joke. Um, anyways, I can't <laughs> keep my eyes open in that in that hallway. Okay, yeah, I I I think it's, I'm picking it's up what you're putting wet. down. It's, yeah, yeah. Just put on sunglasses. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, I wish I could. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, that was an early, early ass concept for the whole company i like even before they decided what the layout of the main floor would be like hideo had that vision of having that um corridor leading you into the spaceship kind of approach to the entrance um mind you we don't use that we uh past tense we they don't use that as like the main entrance for for employees um they just enter from the side so uh, you don't have to go that through that every morning <laughs> see now okay. we're now we're getting the real dirt i was about to say <laughs> this is this is definitely not the answer what i was expecting but an answer nonetheless so thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we didn't want to keep you too long but we definitely appreciate you coming on man taking time yeah, to talk no, with I've us had fun yeah thank yeah. you so much i know it's uh difficult with the time difference no worries. Uh, more so than the time difference. Sorry about like not being at my house for the last couple of weeks. So it was kind of hard to schedule in the perfect date for it. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me and um, look forward to hearing it once it's out. I'm probably not going to listen to it. I hate listening to stuff that I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Totally understand. Look, man, as long as you promo it, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. Yeah, if you, if you want, uh, if you want to, you can plug, you know, where people can find you online. You know, your website and just different places like that. Sure. Um, well, I'm at Ludwig underscore Forsell on um, the Twitters, and my website is ludwigforsell.com. Uh, it's two S's and two L's, which is sort of weird, but that's how we Swedes roll. That's a rad um, website, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, I made it all myself. With 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 the template. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good. <laughs> now I feel like an ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I did I, I I tweaked it so it it looks what like what I wanted from the beginning, but um honestly I, I thought I'd have to hire um an expensive web designer and then a web designer told me that all the web pages that you're listing as references are all made by this template. <laughs> so <laughs> Just pay for 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 the Wix.com membership and you can do it yourself. Cut out the middleman. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Wix. Yeah. Life tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that sponsorship. 
All right, yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, you guys have a good night. I'm gonna have to go and do some promo shit for Bell, I think, today. Um, but, awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, dude. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks again. Right, have a good one. Thanks, guys.